what it is. What's up? I should be sleep right now in the cut. It's 3.20 a.m. I believe about... Uh, do math. Brain, do math. Brain, do math. Brain, do math. About six hours removed from the end of the Alabama game, maybe seven. Um, probably... Let's think. So Gonzaga was a dud. Um, I'm talking games, like quality games. Uh, Creighton Baylor second half was a dud. Uh, Michigan dud for the most part. Cuse dud. So out of all the Sweet 16 games, off the top of my head, I would probably say this was the best. Matter of fact, not in a qualifier. It was it was the best game. Um, you got an upset, which always works. You have one of the two teams featured being the absolute best version of that program's basketball ever. Literally the best Alabama team ever. Um, and then you had a resurgent UCLA team that, you know, this is pretty much their best team since Alonzo year. Um, their most hyped team since Alonzo year. Uh, there's a chance we could have got LaMelo and LiAngelo on one of those teams. Dude. It's honest to God just so fucking unfortunate how stupid the NCAA was in pushing those buttons. That's another topic. I may, I may do that topic. I actually want to do that topic, but I'll save it for another day. But this is for Alabama UCLA and just kind of give us some thoughts about that game. So UCLA, right? Uh, Mick Cronin, I believe of Cincinnati fame. Uh, great coach. Um, I believe it was what his like second or third year. I think Steve Alford got fired a couple years back. Uh, so second or third year, something like that. Uh, gets Johnny Juzang. I'm not like I'm not a big. I'm not. I really couldn't tell you much about any Pac-12 team, period. But Johnny Juzang, pretty talented prospect that looked pretty solid. I would say whenever he was allowed to do anything, in Kentucky. I mean, he was. Whenever he came on the court in Kentucky, he's pretty much the off-ball guard at any moment. Now you have Tyrese Massey, Emmanuel Quickly, um, and, you know, whoever else to guard. Kind of tough to be a lead guard, but he just was never given a real chance. Uh, kind of came in just for spot minutes. But gets on Duzane, uh, gets him the floor. You have these other cats that kind of, you know, help out whenever Duzane gets kind of, you know, uh, messed up, as was the case early in the tournament, and as apparently happened in this game. You know, I was doing homework when this game happened. Uh, School sucks, right? Uh, So I probably watched about 60% of it, maybe 65, but there's a really long stretch in the middle of the second half where apparently Juzang collected like three fouls, something like that, I guess, and like got fouled out. Um, And they still, I mean, the flow of the game wasn't really significantly changed, evidently. Because from the jump, the way it went, big UCLA run, Alabama, even though points don't reflect it, would have a sustained drive, a sustained drive, was this football? A sustained period of success that was longer than UCLA's lead. And UCLA would come back with like a quick burst of like eight, nine points. And then Bama would probably, you know, be killing it for like another longer stretch than the UCLA run. 
But the thing is, points just do not come by at the same level of the quote-unquote dominance that was being displayed in those good periods by Bama. And that's just the wave of the game. I mean, just UCLA would look like clamp gods. It was hitting everything that you could think of that was a, considered a tough shot. And then they would just go cold on offense and pretty much give up really, like, bad looks going to the like really really good looks for Bama but really bad looks for any defense going to the rim uh, quite a few times where they just did not have a defender that could stay in front of certain guys Quinterly could get whatever he wanted going to the rim most of the time they kind of just lived by him shooting threes and as the end result of the game it kind of worked um, what's his name uh, the the other guard um, Sha- Shackleford he had a terrible game scoring but um he was able to kind of get a lead step but he just had a I would say just a terrible offensive game period um what else what else what else Herb Jones for the most part was just completely taken out of the game on offense I think he made like two buckets uh sold on the free throw line more than anybody I think has ever sold the free throw line ever um Reese had the obviously the most ridiculous three that he'll ever have in his life but other than that, pretty much not much and much, but it was they, they pretty much made sure to get it to where you how to how you want to defend Alabama, make sure that most of the points come from a few people. Quinterly took twenty two shots, Petty took fifteen, so those guys combined for you know uh, thirty seven shots, and they got thirty six points. But it's like I think you take that versus. Herb giving you like 20 or 15, you know, Shackleford giving you a productive day. Uh, Bruner didn't do much on offense. Uh, I think Grafe, Gary fouled out, but uh, he was one of their better players around the rim as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like they, they pretty much lived by the notion of just making sure that not everybody can eat. And I would say considering that I mean, they had an undersized lead point um, in Bernard. I'm like the name. I'm, 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 I'm looking at these names right now. That's how like off I was with some of these names. So Campbell, I think, is the cat that had the dreads that was like just cooking. Let's see. Let me double check real quick. Yeah, that's that should be him. Dreadhead. Yeah. Um, Bernard was. He had some crazy threes and, uh, you know, did his best once Juzank went out. Uh, but, you know, you look at his percentage, just 4 or 15. Uh, Juzank sold in his time there, but, I mean, it's about the option, you know, of having him. Like, he did not have his greatest offensive day by any means, but, you know, he it's about having an opportunity. And I, I thought it was going to kill him towards the end there, not having him as an option. Um... But, I mean, they had three other guards on the bench that kind of had to take up the mantle. Jaquez, uh, Jaquez, 17 points, 6 of 13. Some of the most ridiculous shots towards the end of the game. 45 minutes, and Bernard played 42. That's insane. Cam Riley, 26, 5 of 10. Looked like, um, like a Miles Bridges just floating around the rim, pick and pop, or pick and, pick and drive. Um, trailing dunks. I mean, just anything you could think of for athletic forward. Uh, hell of a finish by him. Uh, and you know, I mean, you look at the percentages. I mean, 
UCLA did win a three-pointer game by three. They shot one more, so take that for what you will. Did have, I guess, basically a 10% higher, higher uh, differential in that, that category, but they lost the um, the field goal possession. Or they, they, they won the field goal possession by five, but they lost the made field goals by one. But, I mean, who cares at the end of the day, like, 39.2% versus 43.5%, but they basically were equal in terms of made field goals. And obviously, you know, the difference, everybody's going to leave home uh, thinking about the free throw discrepancy. Uh, let's see how many they actually took. So UCLA took 25. Belmont, I believe, took 25. They also took 25. UCLA went 20-25. Bama went 11-25, which I believe is a historically bad mark, like, I think it was, they said it was the worst since Kansas against Syracuse and the Natty like 18 years ago. So uh, historically bad. Uh, as far as they shook out, Herb Jones took the most and was the worst. Uh, Keon Ellis went 1 of 3. Gary went 0 of 2. Reese went 0 of 2. Primo went 2 of 3. And Quinterly went 2 of 4. So pretty much just bad on every level except Petty and primo um now i will say i will say for one day for herbert um herbie he, he i believe it's two of three after or before he ran into the dude like the dude like he it was like charge i think he tried to avoid a charge and like the guy's legs like basically collided with the dude who was trying to commit the charge i forgot who it was but the announcers, commentators, they actually mentioned that going to the free throw, like, to see what happens. And since that moment, I think he went, he had to be one of three, I guess. I think he went, like, one of four after that point. He split the free throws that were made that he, I think he um, missed the front end and made the second one. And then he, like, missed every other free throw after that. So, like, the, the leg injury may have had something to do with it. And it's tire legs in general, maybe. I mean... Petty played 42. Well, I guess Herbert wasn't really tired because he had to sit with the fouls for a minute. So he only played 30 minutes, but he did defend uh, Hawkins, who was, I mean, I don't think point or even minutes describe how much the dude had to do on that for that team. I mean, he was, if he wasn't taking a shot, he was the pick and pop guy or, or pick and fade. He had to bang in the post and give it up for the times Herbert was clamping up. I mean, he. He he probably had like a like sixty minutes worth of actual like movement and 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 just strain, but uh, shout out to Hawkins who's clearly the player of the game for for that team and looked to be the best on either top, either side. Um, like I said, three thirty a.m. Now let's look at the rebounds. That's, I think that's the big one. I think they they said Bama won forty two to nineteen against Maryland in the uh, rebound battle. 42 to 46 in favor of Bama, but not that bad, obviously. Um, assist. They got out-assisted by UCLA. Uh, lost a steals game, which, to me, the crazy thing about that is UCLA was just, like, pickpocketing. Like, they were literally just, like, you come up the court and just, like, putting the hand out and getting a steal. But also, they were just getting blown by very often. So I guess it kind of was like either they're clamping you up or you're getting past them. It wasn't like gambling for steals. It's just like that's kind of how it shook out. And then on the flip side, 
I felt like UCLA could not get anything easy going to the rim, even when the Hawkeyes possessions were like the situation. Every every point they got around the paint or the rim was tough, like just all game. So, I mean, you got to credit UCLA stamina and toughness, dude. They were clearly a tougher team today. That That's not even, like, arguable. Um, so, yeah, my, I guess let's finally, you know, get this done. Let's hit to the break because I'm sure you guys are going to hear me talk for a while. Hit to the break. I'll get to my takeaways. Okay, this is what you wanted. The hostess with the mostest. What's his actual thoughts about this game? And what it represents, I guess, to some degree, you know, the, the short-term, long-term, yada, yada, historical, blah, blah, blah. We'll do, uh, we'll do four takeaways. Um, two Bama, then two not Bama, because I really don't have that much to say about UCLA going forward. Uh, well, actually, we'll start with the UCLA one. So the main UCLA one is, it's not just the uh, Juzang show. Uh, Juzang was the talk of the, the town after his injury. I believe it was the opening round. Um, talk of the town after like dropping 25, I think 23 plus in two straight games. Uh, had the best three game stretch in the tournament uh, for UCLA player. I think since Kevin Love also apparently was compared to Lou Alcindor, a Kareem in terms of his points, uh, totalage. So, just an incredible, like, start to the run. Obviously, get some of the guys on this team. Uh, Bruner, um, Keon Ellis. Um, just some really good, like, uh, Quinterly, really good defenders, man, on, on both sides. Um, you know, for, well, really good players on both sides, really good defenders for Bama at the guard position and uh, the wing. And uh, Juzang got a tough job of it. Uh, didn't have to go against Herb Jones too much. That's mainly Hawkeyes' uh, problem. But Juzang had, like, every good defender thrown at him at some point in this game. And it, it clearly it took him out of it. But um, I think it's encouraging to see that they can do what they need to do when he's not hitting, when he's not even really a, a positive offensive factor as kind of became the case as the game progressed. Um they're gonna need who they play um Michigan, right? I think they play Michigan. Um I, mean, I don't I really don't think Michigan's gonna kill you on defense. I mean I I think they're just surgical offense, um kinda like Bama, but more like more loving to, to multiple spots on the court. Like Bama is intentionally like kind of a la Rockets in a way. Not not like exactly like hard in the Rockets, I suppose, but just kinda some blend between the Harden Rockets and Westbrook Rockets of, um, you know, last year, where their premise is to drive to the cup as often as possible, and then, if not that, and th- shoot threes. But it's not like they do it in such a sluggish pace a la Harden, where it's just like one or two guards just dribbled up the court and, you know, pick and pop, pick and fade, and, you know, everything. Even though this game would not be necessarily indicative of that if you was watching it. Ball stopping isn't what they ideally like to do. Uh, pace is very important, but um, 
what helped him, what helped UCLA today was just ball stopping happening often. I know there's a lot of Quinterly is quote unquote on. It is a lot of ISO and ball stopping. Um, when we played him uh, Auburn the second time around, he was honest to God get, letting us stay in the game. Like he would get his. Like we didn't have anybody to stay in front of him, but like he simply like could not do that and keep the rest of the team engaged. And they just kind of got out of it. Something that happened today too. Like Quinterly was getting all of what he wanted, but like nobody else was really eating off of that. And that's what I say. He can't really like be a good facilitator. Like he had one of the best cost passes you've ever seen in your life. Uh, the Rondo leading to like kind of wrap around pass to um, I believe it was Herb Jones. Incredible pass, but he's not somebody that seems to be very good at both. Okay, so I'm looking to score, but I'm also like. 50-50, I'm trying to pass if it's not there. He's kind of like 70-30, I'm looking to score, and if a pass happens to be wide open, okay, let's get it. That's kind of his game. I would say he plays more like a really smart two-guard, I guess. Or, you know, kind of smart two-guard versus being a, a point. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, so, so, yeah, UCLA, really interesting diversity in this game. Um defense looked I think good all things considered I mean they played they played pretty much I would say the hardest offensive stop when it's going other than Gonzaga and the remaining like field and the squeeze of the same field um like they just Bama can put them up with such like ferocity that like it's almost incomparable and their pace like doesn't stop at any point in the entire game. And you see like kept up with that the entire way through. So Michigan who's slower and more surgical, I would think bodes well to them. However, I would say my another takeaway is that they clearly do not have a ton of leeway in terms of like if fouls start coming on mass, what can they really do? Uh Riley and Hawkes played a lot of minutes and they can't do that again. They can't definitely can't sustain as much like of a, a low defensively as they had to today. Um and I mean like this is a it's a very guard dependent team, a guard dependent roster. And Michigan does kind of get out the mud in terms of like working under the rim too. So it's they can't afford to be basically they can't afford to be another situation like this. They they can't let it happen like this. But you know no Isaiah Livers that bodes well for Juzang, I would imagine. Mike Smith is a fuck. It's a. I almost curse her. Mike Smith's a midget. Um, he's apparently 5'11. Dude plays like he's 5'4. Mike Smith. Listen, if they were able to like actually stymie, actually stymie Shackleford, you know, take Herb Jones out of his game mentally. Half uh John Petty look like. Well, John Petty doesn't look that great in you know, a high position. High, to me, hyper situations are something where John Petty just folds almost every other time I've seen him. Now, I know he's gotten better and better in the past two seasons since uh, Avery Johnson's gone, but like that dude has like an actual like tendency to lapse in any hyper situation. That's just his thing. It's always been his thing, and it showed today. But they could do it to those guys. Mike Smith looked like one of the most remedial point guards I've ever seen late in that game, that last game, not the Florida State game. I don't know how he performed his little Ham- Leonard Hamilton and Florida State's amazing defense. Now, I, I don't know that. Maybe he did great, but I, 
I think they could exploit them. I think they could. We'll see. Um, so yeah, that should be a good game. Um, you know, styles make matchups, but any matchup going against Gonzaga is not set up to succeed. Um, as far as tournament predictions, I think I got Gonz. Who does Gonzaga play? Hold on, let me see. Uh, the ones I do know, uh, I got Baylor over um, Arkansas, but I would really would not be surprised if Arkansas put that off. Um, it's just Arkansas's defense. Like, Nova's defensive strategy in that game against Baylor is not something that I could think Arkansas could perform, like, even have as well. I mean, Nova is just so disciplined that even when they don't have actual talent out there, even when they don't have real ball handlers out there, they can still, like, run a scheme and be very disciplined. Um, offense, I don't, think, I don't think should be a problem um, against Baylor. I would think the best case scenario for Baylor is that Davion Mitchell gets stuck on Moses Moody, which allows for Tate and uh, Smith and et cetera, et cetera, to kind of, you know, kind of get off. I mean, I'm trying to think who Vital would be on. Vital would, should still have a kind of a, a gimmick. Well, the next set of games isn't until next Saturday, so Vital might be okay by then, but if he says a gimmicky leg, I think Smith could win that matchup. I think he would be matched up against Smith. Uh, I don't know how else that would playing out, but I, I, the point being, I think that the quality of looks Villanova's getting the first half against Baylor, I think Arkansas could replicate that pretty easily. I don't think they have the defensive tendency to, to do the same, but we'll see. We'll see. They have some very athletic guys, and it should be an amazing matchup. I mean, Baylor is and has been in the past, you know, two seasons, four deep with quality guards. And Arkansas, I would say, may have the best stable of guards, even coming into the Swedish's team, but certainly maybe right now. Um, guard slash maybe wings if you want to kind of get broadened up a little bit. So that should be a really interesting, like, kind of rocking a hard play situation. Um, Houston and I believe who who is it? Let me see. Houston to Oregon State. Yeah, that Oregon State is underseeded. Okay, but Houston should win that. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I I, I think so. Uh, USC and Gonzaga to me is like kind of this, this shakiest one because USC is like this really long team that kind of has very switchable individuals and. They play this zone and they kind of pride themselves in just like making the game ugly on defense and turnovers are what they breed off of. And Gonzalez is the, pretty much the, one of the best offenses ever. Um, and everything is systemized with their offense. Every possession just about with them comes down to a good look. Like it's not like freelance. It, it's everything is systematic. So like it's kind of like who wins first you know, the sword of the spear. Like, if USC... Well, not not really even the spear. The sword of the shield, I would say. Because if USC can set their zone and get a lead and beat... Like, you know, get some guys out of... Like, playing out of position. Like, let's say... Timmy can't get his looks um, in the middle. Flashing and kind of, like... Allow for guys to get, you know, easy kickouts. Or let's say... They take sucks at the game for whatever reason, or, you know, or Kisper can't 
getting off ball good threes. I mean, those are all things that I would think would lead to mental disruptions because they just haven't happened all season. Renzaga, like I know Auburn had like basically, and this is just that Auburn's my team, so that's why I know this. Their limited success against Gonzaga came in the moments where they pretty much made everything frustrating physically for um, for Timmy and Kispert. But the thing is, like, Timmy can work from outside, and Kispert is really—he's sneakily like quick for his like looks and and size. Like, he's not necessarily like a slow three, if that makes sense. So, like. He's also, like, stout. So, like, he can kind of work around the rim, too. Um, it should be really interesting. It should be really interesting to see how that game plans out. But I would think Gonzaga should come out of that alive. But I don't think... I just don't see how USC can manage enough points to kind of win that one. Uh, Gonzaga is, like, a defensive, like, master class. But, like, if, if you are predicated on turnovers and pace... You're playing Gonzaga. You kind of are out of your league in that respect off rip. And I, mean, I just saw how they did against us, who we are way younger, um, don't currently have a guy who kind of lead, you know, that rover role in zone like the way Mobley can. Um, JT Thor kind of did well in that, but it's like his third game as like a college player. So, like, you know, what can you do? I think it was a second, maybe, but second or third. Um, but the point I just seen that that same style of play, like, you just gotta, you, you can't really depend on that, you know. That's why I just don't see USC winning this, but you know, you can climb if you want to. So, those in Alabama takeaways. First takeaway, absolutely asinine that people were comparing this Bama team to Auburn, Auburn's team in some ways. You know, in Bama's favor, it was a bit ignorant. And I'm saying it to say that Alabama, after their um, defeat to Western Kentucky, and, like, we got to SEC play, they pretty much looked like one of the best teams in sports after that. They were surgical to get the SEC tailed off towards the end as some champions do um tough games against Auburn and um somebody else down there towards the stretch I think it was Florida somebody like that um but for a good period like a good two month period they were one of probably the six best teams but was the misnomer the SEC was I don't give a shit about metrics like I, I watched the SEC the SEC was objectively not a good conference this year um Florida probably be a top four seed if, if Keontae wasn't ailed by COVID, uh, you know, post-COVID symptoms. Um, Arkansas was good, and they proved they were good. They kind of got beat up by the ACC quite a bit, but they were good. Um, LSU always had a high ceiling, a very low floor. That kind of never changed throughout the season, but... They got they got tightened up a little bit more towards the end. Tennessee and Kentucky were embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing. Um, Auburn obviously for you know experience reasons fell off, but the, 
They gave Arkansas a pretty tough, like, couple of games. They gave Alabama a couple of tough games. But the point being, Alabama was not in a situation in which sword was sharpened by sword. They had Arkansas, who was a, who was a test. I think they played Arkansas once. They had Arkansas, who was a test. They had Tennessee, who was, like, will, work, will put you to work defensively, but, like, it's Tennessee. And then, you know, what, Auburn, you know, A&M, I mean, you know, the, it's, just, it's just it's too many teams that were clearly, like, a step below Alabama. Like, even Arkansas during regular season, I would say, was, like, a step below Alabama. And then most other teams in the SEC are, like, multiple steps below Alabama. So it's like the Oklahoma game, even without, I think, Reeves for most of that game, or at least most of the second half, was, like, indicative of, like, this is not a team that, like, is quite, in my opinion, quite as consistent as other one seeds. I know people want to be a one seed, but like, I was thinking to myself, like, you maybe Michigan, but like, Michigan has the wins and the resume and like the hardest conference in basketball. So it's like, you can't put them over Michigan. It's like Baylor, Gonzaga, Illinois. I'm not putting them over them. I mean, even though by my own measure, Michigan is a better team than Illinois, so it should be Illinois. But I think we all kind of thought that Illinois was, like, the better of, like, going into that. Like, Illinois probably had, like, the higher ceiling, but, like, also lower floor. They were less consistent themselves in Michigan. But the point being, they were not on that same level as those, even those two, much less Baylor Gonzaga. They had, to put, they had the ceiling. Like, they had the ceiling. Like, they have the defense that was supposed to be translatable, but, like, it's just about that that awareness or that that knowing how it is to have been there type of effect. And you can see experience definitely killed them at times in that UCLA game. They did not look like they even punched them out enough, even though in um, the tournament, the SEC tournament, it came down to that against, I believe, Mississippi State and LSU, I want to say. It did come down to me punched in the mouth, but like, think about it, man. You're punched in the mouth by teams that are, again, clearly a step below you is a lot different. And um, UCLA, I don't think we necessarily know what Pac-12 teams are as far as metrics go because of just how much of a disservice they were done by metrics. Like they, as an entire conference, were just put to the side completely. And I mean, it happens to football too. It's just not a conference that's very respected by individuals at this moment like I for whatever reasons sports pundits and positions of power do not respect the Pac-12 do not respect West Coast sports and those two major sports right now so you know you gotta battle against that and I think that we're seeing that you know Oregon State might have been you know closer to a five seed a six seed than what they are currently um Oregon maybe should have been a seed higher. It looked very impressive until they got against USC again. USC could have been a seed higher. UCLA should probably be, you know, maybe not much higher than where they're at, but maybe a couple seeds higher. You know, they looked better than Michigan State, who had three top five wins in, like, a couple of weeks. They looked better for much, I would say, for the most part. Like, they didn't look dominant, but they looked better. So, something to consider there, I think. But, yeah. Bama, um, but I mean, like, like what three double digit seeds in a row, and then even they won this, 
they already got the easiest one seed, I think, coming into this. Like, like that's just me, mate. I mean, either way, Michigan, Illinois, you prefer over the other two options. So it's not like they they would have had one of the most favorable roles you could have had, basically going into this. So I mean, something to keep in mind. Something to keep in mind. And then it's Michigan without liver. So like, that's definitely why I would consider them lower than Illinois. Like they had literally a qualifier if they won against Michigan every win to this point. Second takeaway that I'm done. Bama should be building something really interesting. Like I know I've maybe sound like a hater to some points uh, throughout all this. And I don't like Alabama, so okay. If I sound like a hater, then cool. But like, this is a team that should be really interesting going forward. Like I... I'm not like promising like another return to the fifth form because if the SEC is really good again anytime soon, they shouldn't be making it this far again. I mean, they just lose so much. That would be a little bit ridiculous. But they are, are a really interesting team. Um, their style of play is one in which, as an Auburn fan that sees something similar, or, you know, when we had kind of a little more shooters, you can kind of make up for lack of talent if you're just hitting the shots, you know, and you produce enough of quality shots. You know, you can kind of make do with it. So that's something to consider. Um, I would have them probably going to this, like, fourth in the SEC, like, just projections. Um, I get SEC is totally out of, out, of the, out of the NCAA tournament now, so you can kind of be able to do that. I would think Auburn should be higher. Um, LSU kind of depends on who returns. Um, Tennessee, if they can get it together, should be higher. Kentucky should have some of these guys that were just woefully underperforming return. If that happens, okay. So I would say fourth, probably. That would be my thought. Y'all let me know how you feel. My voice is uh, giving out. Because I shouldn't be talking at 3.30 a.m. like this. 3.56 a.m. like this. So, shout out to uh, Bamba for getting an ass beat. Peace.